0: This is episode 42 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and I have my co-host, Jose Chan, with me, too. Hey, Jose. Hi, everyone.
1: Hey, Todd. Hey, everyone.
0: So, hey, today, we have another exciting episode. We love these episodes. Um, We have a special guest today. We have Fan Bai with us. Fan is the CEO of men's clothing brand, Blank Label, but, oh, they are... They are a lot more than just a clothing brand, and he's gonna tell us a little bit about that shortly. But a quick, a quick intro to Fan. Fan buys the founder and CEO of Blank Label, and Blank Label is a custom men's clothing brand based in Boston. And he's got an interesting, uh, interesting background. Although he's young. And uh, and and I and I think there's a benefit to that because we have a shorter bio to go through here, but in reality he he dropped out of Babson in 2009, which is really interesting. With one semester left to start this company, so there's a level of commitment here that we've heard of other entrepreneurs in the past, throughout tech companies and retailers of thinking of an idea and running with it and starting it, and you got to respect that. So um, we're very excited to have Fan on. And the last thing about Fan, which is very interesting, is that he's a recipient of the Business Week 25 Under 25 and Inc. 30 Under 30 Awards, those coveted awards uh, for those age groups. So, fan, it's great to have you. Welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, Todd, Jose, thanks so much for having me and uh, excited to chat today. Tell
0: us, tell our listeners a little bit about Blank Label.
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, started in 2009. Uh, we're a custom men's clothing brand. Uh, we actually started on uh, online only as a custom dress shirt destination, um, and then expanded into brick and mortar in 2013. Today, we sell in our two stores in Boston, store in Chicago, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Denver, and also obviously still sell online at BlankLabel.com. Um, and yeah, our, our goal is to help men find comfort and confidence uh, in the clothing that they wear, many of whom who need to wear professional dress clothes for, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, and um, it's, yeah, something that we're incredibly passionate about and think that uh, we're just getting started.
1: That's really great, the fact that, I I like that, that that you're helping um, men find comfort and confidence, that that, that's a great, great way of putting it. And it's also a good way uh, to start us off in terms of uh, the first question for you. Uh, Can you tell us uh, how you came up with the idea for Blank Label?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Jose. So um, I had interned um, in London back in 2006, um, and it was in a professional setting. At the end of the internship, my boss was nice enough to uh, take me to his custom tailor, um, and this was Turnbull and Asser, kind of a Jemine Street uh, legacy brand. Sure, love um, their shirts. Yeah, walk in and I'm like, wow, this is uh, just such an incredible experience. Um, I had held on to that shirt for a number of years, um, and a couple of years after that, I was in Shanghai um, visiting a friend who was studying abroad there, and uh, he took me to his um, a local tailor in Shanghai and kind of reminded me a lot of that experience of um, uh, just having something custom made for me. Following summer. I was interning at uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, so I think they're called PwC now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, people just kept on asking, like, wow, like these are nice clothes for an intern. Like, what's the deal here? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, they're all custom. Like, wow. Like, <laughs> nice, you're immediately
0: I'm like, suspect. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Um, and I was like, well, you actually can get custom clothes relatively inexpensively. Um, and they were like, like, can you hook me up with this? Like, how do how does this work? Uh, and that was kind of the yeah the original idea um, was just a, um, driven by uh, customer demand.
1: It's really good. It, it's often a lot of times in innovation, right? It, it's it's lead user innovation where you're your own user for a product, and then somehow it it, it taps into the psyche or the. Let's say the wants and desires of others which is a great great story I, I love that and I, and I love the uh, turnbull master that's a great brand that i have uh, really followed for many years and now switching gears a little bit fan um, in terms of um, sales per square uh foot figures your figures are above industry average um so they they are over fifteen hundred dollars. Per square foot whereas industry trends are just 325 per square foot H- how do you guys do this
2: yeah that's a great question so um just to give a bit more context so we opened our first brick and mortar location in 2013 that was in boston um, the reason we went from online to offline um, when I mean, so much of the world was moving from offline to online was um for our product category it just made a lot of sense um for a couple of reasons one which is if you look at online-only brands at the premium price point, it's still pretty hard to sell online. So if you're a commodity item that's $25, sure, online makes a lot of sense. Um, but if you're a multi-hundred-dollar product that um, needs to be tried, um, it, it's, it's, still, um, it's still a challenging e-commerce environment. The second of, uh, point is a product category is somewhat technical. You need to know your measurements. Uh, there's kind of a tactile sensation with cloth. Um, A lot of people don't know what type of collar they want, what type sure. of cuff they want for a dress shirt. Um, so those factors combined, we thought it made a lot of sense to experiment with brick and mortar. And um, yeah, the, the last couple of years we've uh, been fortunate to have that proven proven right. So um, I think for for us the one of the ways that we're able to drive um, uh, such a high dollar per square foot is one. Our spaces are smaller, so um, so you're just dividing that total revenue number by a smaller square footage number. Um, and uh, that's largely driven by the fact that we don't have inventory in our store. So we don't sure. need to have uh, tables and racks with every possible size uh, and every possible skew um, because everything is made to order. Uh, the second factor is we're fortunate to go after a target customer that happens to spend at a pretty regular clip whether it's um, you know a handful of dress shirts every year a new sports jacket a few pairs of uh, chinos or, or dress trousers the uh, the product category is fairly sticky for outside a customer it's not a hey um, I'm looking to discover new brands um, hey I want to shop around most of our customers and if you think about even for your guys yourself like Find something you like, I'm happy to do it, rinse and repeat uh, a couple of times a year for a number of years. So, um, yeah, due to those factors, we've been fortunate to be able to drive a uh, impressively high sales figure per square foot.
0: Sure. So while while you were talking about the customization and that experience of, uh, with, well, at least the fact that you don't have inventory and you... Um, you know when you're in the process of working with a new customer it's 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 their preference to you know to to they'll know their measurements and they're uh they're in there for a reason to find something that fits them perfectly but like anyone else they're also you know they're also wanting what they just ordered now how do you handle that and um you know it, i guess what is the process of once you're done measuring or once you're done fitting them, how long do they have to wait to actually get their hands on their custom clothing?
2: Yeah, that is undoubtedly one of the things that you sacrifice getting custom clothing. That there is uh, for us a two to three week lead time, um, and for you know we can't we, we can't fulfill the instant gratification. Of course. Um, however, it's give and take. Um, right? Yeah. right. For for most of our for our target market, um, it's most people are just looking to have a go to resource. Um, and the unique value proposition for us so the unique selling proposition for customers that it's going to fit you exactly the way you like. So uh, if you're a taller gentleman, you're probably familiar with the shirt sleeves being too short, uh, or the shirt coming untucked. If you're a larger guy, then it's often uncomfortable through the midsection, especially when you sit down. Uh, if you're a smaller guy... It's very hard to find clothes that aren't too big for you. So it's, wow, I finally have a place where I know the clothes are going to fit me exactly the way that I want, that are custom made exactly to the specifications that I want. And um, yeah, if I need to wait two or three weeks, I can order stuff in advance. Um, so yeah, the, the lead time hasn't been a uh, a big challenge for us.
0: Yeah, and maybe you're lucky because there's somewhat of an existing market, or maybe you came in at a similar time that Bonobos and maybe, uh, well, not really Warby, but, uh, we just actually interviewed, um, from Ministry of Supply, uh, it was a month or two ago, I believe. Um, similar-ish, you know, world as you, it seems like, um, a little bit right. of a different angle, but the point is, is that it's, you know, it seems like the market is primed for this, at least consumers are primed for this, and there's demand for it, Right. So yeah. whether it's, you know, I, when I've asked this before to those that are in markets that are, you know, kind of coming out of the woodwork in a way, in a, in a big way, and um, there, there's, there's arguments to be made that brick and mortar in general is experienced a bit of a renaissance and they're reinventing themselves, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and I would guess that your business model in this case would be one of the beneficiaries of that. And I would guess that things will, you know, um, no doubtedly look up, for your business over the next, uh, you know, six to 12 months, especially more than it has recently. So, um, I'm just curious what you think though, is has accelerated the demand for, uh, for this type of custom clothing and measurement.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, see, I, I, did see that, um, I'm on and being on the show and I, and I know him well. And, um, I think more broadly speaking, um, the, the world is, the world is moving more niche, uh, in terms of brands, at least, um, that, there's an opportunity to speak to a specific customer set. And in his case, um, someone that, what do they call it? A performance professional, I think.
0: Right on. Um,
2: yep. so, True. And that is, that is a very niche identity of someone that is, is wide collar, um, but, you know, maybe rides their bike to work or is highly active. And so for them, a lot of it is about sweat and temperature um, moderation. Mm-hmm. So for us, that's not our message. That's not our niche at all. For us, it is, you are specifically looking to find something that fits and you really care about fit and off the rack is not serving you well, And that could be because you're at the two ends of the, uh, distribution curve in terms of off the rack sizes. And there just aren't many options for you, or it could be, you're in the like, uh, middle part of the distribution curve, but you, there's just something specific that you're looking for either that, um, you know, you just want your shirts to be a little bit extra long to stay tucked in, or you like to have your shirts monogrammed or, um, so I think that there's, yeah, people are looking for something that works for them. Um, they're looking for brands that resonate um, with things that they care about. Um, so I think that's more broadly speaking. And, and second of all, specifically to us and specifically to custom clothing, um, we're also in a um, kind of more fit conscious time since uh, over the last five to 10 years. If you you know think back 10 or 15 years ago um, – men weren't really thinking about slim fit jeans or they weren't really thinking about slim fit anything. Now we've got tailored fit, relaxed fit, casual fit, slim fit, super slim fit, European fit, Italian fit. Uh, And so I think brands and media have just uh, driven so much awareness around fit that custom becomes a natural solution um, to to that awareness uh, and we've been able to benefit from that.
0: Yeah, it makes, it makes total sense. And I think you mentioned this already, but you guys have six retail stores across the states. Um, yeah, I guess even though you mentioned that, even though you already made it very clear <clears throat> that you have a very different business model in a sense um, than the traditional stores do, uh, uh, the question I was going to position to you was, you know, really, what's the advantage of your model over traditional brick and mortar retailers? I think we we understand that already. And, and I think it's important to, to clarify in this case, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but your typical, you know, your, your typical customer is not your typical brick and mortar retail shopper, right? I mean, it. it I, I'm not sure how you actually ferret them out or market to them. Um, I'm very curious about that, too. But it is it is a very unique person, I'm guessing. But that unique person is is slowly but surely expanding out into the mainstream, it seems like.
2: Yeah, so um, a couple of things. I'll kind of talk first about what we think our retail advantages, and then kind of talk a little bit about uh, our target customer. So on the retail side, I I'd, I'd point out I point out two things. One, which is the inventory advantage that we talked about already. That um, when we open a store or when we run a store, we don't need to have a quarter million dollars, half a million dollars of inventory in the back room um, that has a high possibility of going and needing to get discounted. Um, everything for us is made to order that has cash flow advantages, um, that has brand advantages of not needing to lock stuff down. So um, inventory or the lack thereof is a, a really big component. And the second is um, all of our stores are they're actually more like showrooms than they are stores. So They're not ground level. We don't have street signage. So um, it's actually a kind of very non-traditional concept of a store um but as a result because we're not ground floor we don't have street signage uh and the stores are relatively small around a thousand square feet up to 1500 square feet the the rent is a lot lower and that's generally for a retail location one of the largest uh costs in the PL. for us we've been able to minimize that in the initial kind of year two years in the store where we kind of move that rent cost into marketing um, and drive awareness that uh, to mostly online awareness into that store. But after the second year, we're just able to simply take that cost out. Um, People tell their friends. So we get a lot of word of mouth. We get a natural reorder cycle um, because people need to replenish their clothes. And so it's just a higher profit. uh, It's a higher margin. Uh, retail model that still can you know, achieve similar sales figures to a ground floor retail store. Right, and retail um, is all
0: about margin, anyway. At least it should be. And that's I think the mistake. It's a mistake that that traditional retailers perhaps have been making too much over the past few years is not focusing on that margin instead focusing on revenues. Whereas if you're coming out of the gates focusing on margin, obviously that's that that's that's gonna that's gonna work out for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, we hope so. Um, and then on the uh, target customer side it's it's a guy that shops at Brooks brothers it's a guy that shops at Nordstrom uh, he does go into the mall he does a little bit of online shopping um, so he, he's not particularly um, segmented by the medium through which he shops for us it's really um, does he have a problem with fit uh, is he looking for? better fit um what about a guy that
0: shops at banana republic and gets annoyed by the two styles of shirts but likes their shirts so (laughs) (laughs) as in
1: Mm, me who could that be
2: (laughs) yeah Uh, absolutely um so yeah that's um you know that's definitely a factor as well where um especially in some size segments there just isn't a lot of choice because it doesn't make sense for banana republic to make um a ton you know to hold a lot of inventory within a specific niche size speaking um, of margin so th- that's what, right 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 so um so yeah we're able to kind of help that customer and say okay you can have any shirt that you want and it will make it exactly the way
1: you like it sure that that makes that that resonates a fan and as i think about this I'm thinking into the future in terms of, like, how do you take something like this? Because I'm a big fan of um, this type of bespoke type of, of of apparel. In my particular case, I am that niche customer <laughs> that you uh, described. I do get my shirts um, custom-made with initials uh, on the bottom left. Uh, I do get uh, whenever possible, um, let's say, as close to not custom but perhaps um, made-to-measure uh jackets with functioning buttonholes that are horn buttons that no one really knows about right no one knows about the label it's all about personality um but how would you scale something like this any thoughts on how to how you're gonna scale um to more customers uh like perhaps todd myself that might be willing to try something like this
2: yeah yeah no that's that's a great question um for us that that is definitely that is definitely a challenge um to break the um, problem into two sets one is on the front end uh, are we able to continue scale out our distribution model which is opening new stores consistently training great specialists to have good product knowledge have good fit knowledge have outstanding customer service um i think that is always an ongoing challenge for us there's just um Like yourself, Jose, we have a lot of customers who come to us who are are already knowledgeable and uh, they want to know what is, you know, some want to know, like, hey, what is the canvassing that's used in this jacket? Um, It's really important that our specialists don't get stumped by that or saying like, hey, you measured me for uh, a 17 collar, but I'm, I usually buy 16 and a half. Like, are you sure you measured it correctly? And for us to be able to educate the customer and say actually most men's sizes not just women's sizes are vanity sizes uh they're not specifically accurate to that you know quarter inch that's just a rough guide um and so for us that's a uh that's yes definitely um important to us to have great specialists in all of our stores on the kind of back-end supply chain side custom manufacturing at least in our experience of the last eight years very hard problem. Um, you have on. Un- there are two separate components that make it challenging. One that it's on demand. The second that it's custom spec. So on demand, we have a lot of fluctuations. Uh, we're a slightly seasonal business, on, although not tremendously. Um, but week to week, month to month, we're going to have large swings—thirty percent up, thirty percent down—and um, we need to work with tailoring partners that can scale up and scale down with us, um, sure. combined with the fact that we're, you know, growing um, you know, significant double-digit year over year. Um, so, so that is a challenge. And then on the, on the custom spec side, having really good quality control processes um, to make sure that for the six shirts that Jose wants, that, you know, these two are um, uh, a cutaway collar, these two are button-down collar, uh, these two shirts have pockets. Each of the shirts have different color monograms. Uh, and be careful with the sixth one. He wanted to have a period between his uh, first and last name just to try it out. The other ones he did. So um, all of that at scale um, does become challenging. But it just we kind of try to think about it from a very um, bottom-up perspective and making sure that we've got the right processes for
1: every single step. Sure, that's, that's very sensible. And I think you pegged me. I am a cutaway guy with... <laughs> Two-button, mitered cuff, mother of pearl buttons um, and I do have um, dots in between the initials.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And Jose will be there tomorrow. He's going to (laughs) be... If not, not in in an hour.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, switching gears a little bit, in in terms of um, the... Let's say um, we're going to talk a little bit about design and sourcing, but you kind of already covered that. But let's maybe talk about... um, variations, uh, how, how do you manage that? Because I know it, it's possible to do so many things uh, and it, it could be that customers have a lot of choices. When Let's take a customer shirt. It, it could be a different type of collar. It could be a tennis collar, cutaway collar, um, et cetera. Different types of cuffs, um, button downs, there are different silhouettes, etc. cetera. Um, there are different fabrics that you could use, right? And when you put all of these together, There are a lot of variations. How do you manage this process? Um, Yeah. So it's not costly and and, and it it actually makes sense for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, So we actually aren't, so let me back up. Where we try to solve primarily around Fit, we are not the best place in the world. We are not the best place in the world at, providing every single design solution, and that is very intentional because of the custom spec manufacturing challenge that I mentioned earlier. Um, So yeah, you you like mitered cuffs, that's great, because we only make mitered cuffs. We don't make rounded cuffs or straight cuffs, um, just because it adds that extra permutation that creates a higher error count. Um, We only offer so many colors um, of Monogramming or embroidery. Uh, We only offer such a slim. We we only offer a certain selection of fabrics at any one point We try to turn over our inventory very regularly um, And add new styles every six to eight weeks, but it's not um, you know thousands of shirt or suit options Um, and again, that is very intentional um, to not create a too much of a paradox of choice issue for our customers and B, um, not kind of creating too many different options that um, our tailoring partners start getting too big of a headache. Um, sure, we really try to listen to our customer and try to understand their needs. So someone like you, Jose, that would come in, can you know spit out verbiage like this. We understand. Okay, we need to like really um, make sure that we're showing the full portfolio of our spec collection. um, We might get someone else, um, you know, Todd might come in and say, hey, like my current choices of a non-republic are pretty limited. Like, I just want like really well-fitting clothes that I'm really comfortable in um, that aren't pulling on me throughout the day. And I just want to be able to get a few more options. Uh, I don't need to know about uh, the difference between a spread collar and a cutaway collar. like, you know, maybe in a couple of years from now, but like, that's just not interesting to me right now. I like, I just want to create, get a good solution where I can like shoot you an email once every six months and say, "Great, like my parents are starting to wear. I need like two more pairs of blue chinos and three more white shirts, and just like have that problem solved for me."
0: Yeah, you pegged us, Van. Good work, man. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you tell us about a little bit of uh, what's next? If there's anything coming for Blank Label in terms of either store openings or <clears throat> any anything that. Anything that might be interesting as far as next steps for you guys, or maybe there's no next steps at the moment.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so for us, where we try to think very long term, uh, we've been at this for eight years. We hope that we can be at this for another, you know, quite seriously, a couple of decades to come. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that there is a opportunity to build a category defining national brand. Um, when you think of custom clothing, there isn't kind of a um a clear player uh that stands out when you think about you know, men's fine garments brooks brothers has done a great job over the last 200 years when you think of women's active wear done a great job over the last 25 years but for men's custom clothing it's a niche that is growing um today it's only about two to three percentage points of the overall menswear market and we think that there's an opportunity for that to eat eat much greater market share uh, and with that we think that there is an opportunity to build a brand um that kind of opens this category up brings much more awareness and uh we think that's going to take a while um but we're open to being patient um and kind of slowly continue to open more stores continue to invest in our brand um and yeah always excited about the future
0: that's awesome that's awesome so for for those that are in boston since we're in boston you're in boston uh, your location in Boston is where? Did you say Newbury Street?
2: Uh, we are downtown. We have one in Downtown Crossing and one in Seaport.
0: One in Seaport. I don't know why I thought Newbury Street for a second. Um, so that's great. Wow. Okay, Seaport. So next time I'm in the office, I'm gonna have to I'll go over there. So I'm, I keep making these statements that I'm gonna go places and do things, but I was getting, <laughs> when I go to the office. When I go to the office, I end up just stuck in the office. You know. Don't worry, yeah. keep on honest talk. Yes, keeping <laughs> exactly. Maybe next time Jose's in town, like yeah, and that's another thing. Jose, you're a good uh you're you're a good uh, instigator for that kind of thing. So we can <laughs> go off and say hi to hi to some folks. Yeah, love to come yeah. by there. Well Yeah,
2: that'd be awesome.
0: We appreciate you coming by and uh, you know I did a little stalking on Twitter and, and uh Instagram found a few places to find you and and blank label and you can find fan on Twitter at at life of buy L-I-F-E-O-F. B I and you can find uh, blank label on Twitter at, at blank label and you can find them on Instagram too at blank label clothing and get some nice uh some nice inspiration there. I was just digging through earlier while you were talking and it looks awesome and and uh you got an extra follow there. So that that is that and, uh, fan it, it, good luck with everything. We are gonna keep in touch with you and really really appreciate the time you took today to to join us and tell us a bit about what's uh what's next for you guys and um some, some really interesting activity that's happening in this end of the market and retail.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, Todd, Jose, thank you so much for having me. It was really great fun and um, excited to uh excited to be a part of it.
0: Our pleasure, our pleasure. And that is the show, everyone. If you have comments, questions, feedback, you can email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you ingest your favorite podcasts. Until next time, everyone, take care.
1: Bye, everyone.